Hey, how y'all doing? It's your man, Uncle Dub. This is episode 105 of the Sports Wagon Podcast, Thursday edition. We're going to go, we're going to hit you hard this week. We're going to go Thursday and Friday because, you know, we always end the week off with a little college football. We're going to talk a little bit today, but you know where to find me, Instagram, Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Today, we're going to start with the NFL. A couple news and notes from the NFL. Uh, we start with the saga, the continuing saga, the ongoing saga of Odell Beckham Jr. So OBJ, as we know, hit the waivers on Tuesday. He was released from Cleveland. Eight teams have made offers. Uh, Seattle, New Orleans, Kansas City, Green Bay, uh, and uh, I think I New England. Uh, these are five of the eight teams that uh, we said approximately eight teams. So these are five of the teams that we know have made offers. He is considering Kansas City, Green Bay and New Orleans. Uh, he has been in contact with uh, Devontae Adams from Green Bay. They've had a couple text exchanges kind of talking it through. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what direction OBJ is going to go in um, in his new team. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm. Casey's struggling. He could help. Uh, Green Bay's looking pretty good. I don't know. Something about, I don't know. It's something about New Orleans I like. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, we know he played at LSU. So, I mean, I don't know. That, that could be kind of fun. But I don't know. Right now, my money is either on Green Bay or New Orleans. Just my thought. Um, Seattle, speaking of the uh, the Seahawks, Russell Wilson practiced on Monday. That's the first practice since his finger surgery on October 8th. So the team is hoping that he will, and they say it looks good in practice. The team is hoping that they can have him ready for uh, the game against Green Bay on Sunday. He's currently on the injured reserve list, and he'd have to be activated off IR by Saturday. So that's good news for Seattle. So hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, he will continue to look good in practice. The finger feels good. He's able to throw with some zip, with some consistency, and they can get him back in the lineup. I mean, there's still time for Seattle to kind of turn around, but it's, you know, it's 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 kind of it's getting close to that time period where mm, it could go either way for the Seahawks. Thursday night football tonight, 820 Fox and NFL Network. That would be the Ravens visiting Miami to take on the Dolphins. The Ravens are six and two. The Dolphins are two and seven and the Ravens are seven and a half point favorites. I think you would probably put your money on the Ravens on this game. Um, again, they've just been uh, the Miami's been banged up. They're hurt. A lot of stuff going on with them. So but that is your Thursday night football. And we'll kind of recap it on the episode tomorrow. All right. Hey, remember, college basketball started Tuesday night and we're off and running. Um, we had three marquee games on Tuesday night. So two games from the men's side and one game from the women's side uh, in New York City, Madison Square Garden. Tuesday night, uh, the Champions Classic went down. Game one, number three, Kansas over Michigan State, 87-74. Oche Agbaji, 29 points for Kansas and AJ Hoggard had 17 points for Michigan State. Kansas is looking really good. Um, again, you know, this is the Kansas that we're used to seeing. Um, now, if they start off the season like this, and again, Michigan State, you know, they, you know, they've guess got, um, you know, they've they've got some work to do. I mean, they're not a bad team, but I mean, this isn't typical of what we see from a a, a Tom Izzo squad. But I mean, you know, only time will tell 
although it seems as if for the longest time they were the team, and they are still in the conversation. They were the team in the Big Ten now. It seems like the Big Ten's caught up with them. Michigan, as we know, you know, Michigan's doing big things. You know, uh, Jawan Howard got the number one recruiting class coming in uh, next season. Right now, I believe it's the number one, number one team, um, recruiting class, rather. Um, Indiana, it's interesting to see how they're going to be looking under first-year coach Mike Woodson. Uh, Purdue, Purdue is always in the conversation, again, in some way, whether, you know, they're just, you know, heading to the Elite Eight, um, but they're always in, in the thick of the race, Ohio State. So the Big Ten has been kind of up with Michigan State, and it feels like they've caught up and in some ways are kind of surpassing them. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see how the season will go for the Spartans. Game two, number nine, Duke, 79-71 over number 10, Kentucky. Trevor Keels, 25 points. The freshman comes in his first game with 25. Oscar Tishbe, 17 points for Kentucky. So this game, two teams that are right next to each other in the AP poll. Um, Kentucky, to me, very much improved over last season. Um, the thing in this game that stuck out to me was just the difference in styles. Like Kentucky was up and down. Duke likes to do the runouts, but Duke, um, you know, I just felt like number one, you look at these guys, and I think back to when I used to play pickup games, and I go, okay, show up, play some pickup games, and then here comes that group of guys. You're just going, okay. I don't know if I want to play these guys. That's what Duke looks like to me. They look like those guys. I'm going, I don't know if I want to play these guys because I think I'm going to get smashed. I mean, again, you know, getting smashed happens when it comes to playing basketball. But these guys, um, they are ready to play. They've got some players. I think Duke is a Final Four team. I mean, they look solid. I mean, on so many levels. Um, They've got depth. I mean, they just get after it. And I mean, I mean, it's no surprise, but, you know, last few years, you know, good teams. But this year's team, they just look I think I said this on Twitter. They look scary, good, scary, 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 good. Um, as far as Kentucky's concerned, Kentucky, I think Kentucky's going to be OK. Much improved. Um, I think that, you know, they they're I think they're a little bit more of an experienced team. But I think it's, you know, they kind of need to, I think the offensive flow to me looked, it just didn't look right to me. I think they just need to kind of have a little bit more flow on offense, uh, I think, uh, as the season goes along. And it'll happen. Again, the folks who are out here freaking out about your team's results in game one, stop it. It's one game. This isn't like college football. College football, you lose the first game, especially if you're a contender. And sure, all may be lost, but again, it depends on what happens in game two, game three, game four. These teams are going to play 20 plus games. Then you go into the tournament. So by the time this thing is done, you've played about 34, 35 games, depending on, you know, how you schedule. So with that said, okay, your team's only after Tuesday. Okay, well, time to go back to the drawing board, reevaluate. Your team's 1-0 and after Tuesday, well, it's time to still reevaluate to get better and to also not take that one and oh so seriously. Now, again, going to you know Duke and going back to Kansas, they're both one and oh. Obviously, they're going to want to improve things to get better because it's a long season, but just that one game, you get a feeling. Again, we all know how this thing's going to go by about midseason. Who knows? 
Duke may hit a little bit of a skid and then they pop back up because usually sometimes that what ha- that's what happens with a lot of teams. And sometimes Duke, that happens. They, they hit a little bit of a rough patch, but then right around tournament time, and I've always said this, Coach K always has those guys ready to go right at the right time. So they hit ACC tournament time. So they you know, play Carolina their last game. They hit the ACC tournament. And then they just cruise that thing right into the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, right now, if your team's 0-1, relax. There's a lot of season to be played. If your team's 1-0, congratulations. Let's keep the party going. So, But you, but you try to, at least for me, I, I try to look at it and say, oh, okay, you know, who looks good, who looks okay, who's a team's going to be surprising. And really, we're not going to know that much more until we see – Conference play, which, you know, for especially the ACC, that's going to get started really soon. They're playing, what, uh, 16, 17 conference games, like 20 conference games. So they're going to start playing soon. Um, then, of course, your tournaments are going to start up. So in the next couple of weeks, you know, the Maui tournament, all these invitations are going to show up. Now you're going to start to see these interconference matchups. You'll probably see some more ranked matchups. As a matter of fact, we've got uh, one big ranked matchup in on the men's side and one big on the women's side. On Friday, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but we've got plenty of time to play this thing out. And, you know, we're going to see a lot of good basketball as we move forward. And it, it's going to be fun and difficult to try to keep that remote tuned to the fact that, oh, well, there's football on this channel. But then I got to, you know, if you got the TV with the, um, some of these remotes have that after button or before or whatever, you hit it and you can get the last channel. Yeah, you're going to be doing a lot of that, <laughs> uh, trying to go back between basketball and football. But that's why we love sports so much, because it's just so much fun to kind of keep track of everything. On the women's side, on Tuesday, number one, South Carolina, 66-57 over number five, NC State. Zaya Cook, 17 points for the Gamecocks. Raina Perez and Jakia Brown-Turner, 18 points each for NC State. Um, South Carolina, um, looking good. Um, they're very deep. Um, they got uh, Camila Cardozo from um, uh, Syracuse, so she transferred in from Syracuse, gives them more height. And when I re- remembered that, I said, okay, here's what I think is going to be fun. And they talked about this in one of the previews. They said, okay, you got Aaliyah Boston, so you can play them interchangeably. You can have Aaliyah Boston play, you can have Camila Cardozo play, or you can play them together. So, again, it's all going to be about – the different lineups, the different combinations that you get. But the one thing that I noticed about this game, you know, I didn't see a lot of it. I'm still at work. So I managed to watch a little bit of the first half. But defensively, I thought South Carolina was so good defensively. They're always just active with their hands, their footwork. They're just they just really are very tough defensively. And um, I think that's going to be one of the strengths of this team. And then we know that they can score points. Um, Raven Johnson, their number one prospect, who's as, in as a freshman this year. I didn't see her her stat line, but she figures to uh, contribute greatly uh, to the team in their quest this season. All right, let's look at the schedule. I mean, we could do this tomorrow, but, uh, you know, not a whole lot of ranked matchups. You know, as we said, beginning of the basketball season, college basketball season, there's going to be, you know, just your regular standard matchups, but we've got – uh, two ranked matchups Friday and some women's matchups on Sunday. And I think that seems to be the thing with ESPN. They tend to do a lot of Sunday women's games. But again, you get to see some really good basketball from all over the all over the country. And it's a doubleheader. So even better. 
All right, Friday night on the men's side, number four, Villanova, visits number two, UCLA. Tip time, wait for it, 11.30 p.m. on ESPN2, so that'd be 8.30 Pacific. Good luck on that. <laughs> I had to wait for my team to play at 9.05 Tuesday night, and I don't know how in the heck I made it, but I did, and then I turned around and watched most of the second half of the Duke Kentucky game and <laughs> fell asleep halfway through, woke up, watched the end, and then carried my old behind to bed. So I'm going to have to see what I can do about Villanova UCLA. I don't see myself watching this game, so I'm going to have to get up early on Saturday to kind of get the highlights from that one because, I mean, that's going to be a great game. Um, I- I'm really excited about that game and that matchup. On the women's side, so we start you off on Friday on the women's side, number six, Louisville, uh, at number 22, Arizona. So they'll be in South Dakota for something called the Invitational 430 on ESPNU. Now, this is exciting. So Arizona won their first game against Cal State Northridge. Watched the presser. Dia Barnes talked you know, so much about just, you know, what you know, the strategy for this game. And as I mentioned, talking about you know with south carolina so with adia barnes she was basically saying you know this is an opportunity to get everyone to play to find out you know who plays where different combinations different positioning and she said she felt like she felt the team played okay um you know very impressed with the things that they did from a statistical standpoint but she said there are definitely some things that they got to work on knowing that they got this big matchup with louisville coming up and i think that's going to be a really good game i think this for me, I, I and I'm looking forward to seeing this because Louisville, uh, one of the teams you expect to uh, continue their, uh, you know, be in the mix for the ACC. So between NC State and Louisville, going to be the two teams that you're going to expect to see in contention for the ACC. I've talked about. I think there are a couple of the teams that in the ACC on the women's side that I think we're kind of overlooking, but I'm interested to see how Arizona with their depth. And with the new players, I mean, they've got some good inside play, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, Sam Thomas, she's you know she's shooting the ball. They've got shooters at Arizona. I mean, look, they had Ari McDonald. You can't replace that. But what they've managed to do is they've got players who worked on their game throughout the summer. They brought in talent, transfer, and freshman talent, and they're all contributing in a, a really great way. So I think this is going to be a fun matchup between Louisville and Arizona on Friday at 4.30. And I will probably be, I will, I'll be home, but not for long. Anyway, um, thank goodness for uh, LTE. And I'll just have to use the Wi-Fi to uh, check out the game. Um, Sunday on the women's side, number 25, Texas, go to Maples to take on number three, Stanford, the defending national champs, three, three o'clock on ESPN. Five o'clock, same channel. Number 13, Kentucky goes to number eight, Indiana. So two really good matchups on Sunday on the women's side. So I think that's going to be a load of fun to see these uh, teams go at it. Again, we get to see what these teams are coming with early because, you know, you get to see it early, but then you kind of get to establish a baseline and then you look back then you're going to look in february going into march and say okay where we were where we are and then i think you start to really get a good feel for the teams who could definitely be the teams that are going to be in this thing uh in april 
All right. Um, one other note from college basketball. We say rest in peace to uh, Medina Dixon. So she passed away Monday evening at the age of 59 from pancreatic cancer. Um, she won an NCAA title at Old Dominion University in 1985 and helped to lead the, the Lady Monarchs to the 1983 Final Four. Um Medina Dixon was also the leading scorer on the 1992 Women's Dream Team and the Barcelona Olympics, who took home bronze. And she was a 10-year pro player in Italy, Japan, and Russia. Uh, Medina Dixon grew up in Boston. She led Cambridge, Ringe, and Latin to the state title in 1981. Uh, that was the same year that Patrick Ewing led the boys' team to their third title at the same school. Um, she started her college career at South Carolina in the 81-82 season. When the head coach at uh, Old Dominion was forced out, she transferred to ODU. Um, so her numbers, she averaged 16.4 points a game. She was the Sun Belt Player of the Year and first team Kodak All-American. And she was a finalist for the Naismith, Naismith Player of the Year Award in 1985. For her career, 1,968 points and 979 rebounds. She was inducted into the Cambridge Wrench and Latin School Hall of Fame in 1997. Her number 13 was retired in 2011 by Old Dominion University, and she was inducted into the ODU Sports Hall of Fame in 2017. So I remember this 85 team. Um, I remember watching this game uh, on television with my mom. My mom is a uh, <laughs> shout out to moms. I mean, she taught me the game and she was a, a, a quite a basketball player in her time um and she's got the trophy to prove it um but uh we watched that game together and little did i know five years down the road i would be um attending odu as a, as a freshman but i've always felt such a uh, a strong attachment to uh this women's program at odu uh, and it all started with not just the 85 team but the 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 titles that odu won prior to the NCAA sanctioning uh, women's basketball uh, in championships. So it was the AIAW. So, um, you know, they, they have uh, they are a program that has multiple championships. And, um, you know, what a great team and what a, a loss for uh, the Boston community. She she has she mentored players and talked to players and she was just such an influence on players, um, was an ambassador for the game. Um, and you know, for me, this is, this is, you know, hits close to home being an ODU alum and, and just remembering, uh, such great teams that, uh, you know, we've had and continue to have at ODU. I mean, we haven't, uh, been, uh, in the, the, at least this far in the tournament since 97 and who that was a year. I mean, whew, that was a title that to this day, to this day, I'm still mad. We lost the 97 title, but nevertheless, I'm, you know, it's, it's done. But um, for me, uh, when I heard this news, I was I was I was very sad. And, um, you know, I wanted to give my condolences to her family, to the ODU family, um, to the Boston community, the, the Cambridge, Ringe and Latin uh, community. Uh, uh, just loss of a, a great player, a great person. And, um, you know, um, and, and we know that the Lady Monarchs will have and will continue to honor her memory because this is a program that they stand on the shoulders of such great players like Medina Dixon and and uh, Nancy Lieberman and the late Ann Donovan and of course Tisha Panachero. So I mean, just such 
great legacy and uh and shout out to to the lady monarchs as i always do on this show because um you know we're talking big season this year and i think it can happen they've just got such great players i listened to some of the first game on tuesday night and i'm just uh i'm always excited when when their season comes around um i mean no 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 shots you know the men the, the monarchs of course i always love the monarchs of course but um you know one of the first uh women's games i ever watched was the Lady Monarchs, and I've always had a special place in my heart for that program. And of course, um, got to see them up close and personal. Shout out to my friend Randy; she's she's the former uh, team manager, so I, you know, got to hang out with her, meet some of the coaches uh, when I was there uh, as a student. So I mean, um, just such a sad loss, and um, you know, um, again, my condolences to her family and the communities and all the people that she touched. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit of college football after this break. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. You also can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everyone, welcome back. So, news notes. So, one bit of news from college football. UConn hires Jim Mora. That would be Jim Mora Jr. They didn't use the junior in the article, but they hired Jim Mora as their new head coach. If you remember, the last time Jim Mora coached was in 2017. He was the head coach at UCLA. He compiled a record of 46 and 30. He was then dismissed Um, to recall UConn situation. UConn back in September mutually parted ways with head coach Randy Etzel. So the plan initially was for Etzel to at least finish out the season and then retire. But they decided to uh, uh, accelerate that mutual parting Um, in his second stint at UConn. uh, Etzel was six and 32. Um, in his first stint, he was a little more successful. He had two Big East titles, led UConn to the Fiesta Bowl. Um, that was from 1999 to 2010. In 2010, he left to become the head coach at the University of Maryland, where I don't remember how long he was there, but he was summarily fired. Um, and I remember that whole situation being a major train wreck. I mean, Edsel, unfortunately, was a little was in a little over his head and it just didn't work out in College Park. Um UConn is currently one in eight. They beat Yale uh, this season. It's their only win. Um, Mora will assume his head coaching duties uh, very shortly in the next few weeks. Uh, He's currently on the staff as an assistant coach, and that's kind of a smart move because um, that allows him to recruit. So he can kind of recruit a little bit prior to taking head coaching job. And then, of course, he will delegate the recruiting duties to someone else. Um, so his deal, he gets a five-year deal worth about 1.5 million. So I think he gets about 200,000 base salary plus incentives as is standard with most of these coaching contracts. So congratulations to Jim Mora. Um, there was a time where UConn football was pretty, fairly decent. I mean, there was the Edsel years and I think there was a little time before that, but I believe years and years and years ago and someone keep me honest i believe they were like an fcs team i'm sorry yeah fcs team and then they moved to fbs and then there was a little bit of a slow um progression into 
um, becoming a successful FBS team. Uh, Randy Etzel came through in his first uh, stint, and as you heard, you know they were very successful. Um, I was just really blown away when they gave Etzel a second chance. I, you know, coaching retreads, especially at the same school, unless I am not remembering something properly, retreading a coach at the same school is usually never a good idea, and, he, and it usually never works. And you just see how badly um, th- this has turned out for UConn um, over these last few years as, as Edsel returned and goes 6-32. and 32. I mean, that's pretty abysmal uh, for a football program. All right, um, let's talk about the CFP rankings week two. So, so as I mentioned, in the first week of CSP, CFP, I said, okay, unless something earth-shattering happens – these rankings aren't going to change so much. Well, you know, from my mouth to God's ears. So not to say I pray for this. I didn't. But Michigan State loses to Purdue. <laughs> now, <laughs> here's the crazy part. And I've talked and I, and I mentioned this last show. Purdue, what are you doing? If you're going to get up for the big boys, get up for every team. Let's try to, you know, let's try to turn this. We're going to get psyched up to beat Michigan State. We're going to get psyched up to beat Iowa, why don't you get psyched up to beat somebody else? These this team could be and and, and for these this team could be undefeated. But for some reason, I just had this feeling that Purdue was going to be decent and they they're okay. But I'm thinking this should be a much better football team. And you pull off two major upsets this season already. Like like why can't this translate into every game? I'm not saying, you know, this magic works every game and they're going to I just did say that, but I'm saying you're going to lose some games, but why is it you're just really hitting your stride when you've got to hit your stride against a top 10 team? Why is that? I don't know if anyone can explain that. It's just one of those happenstance kind of things. I don't know, but it's it's weird. It's just very strange. So because of that, here's how the top four flushed out. Georgia and Alabama stayed one and two. So again, that should stay fairly consistent, again, unless something crazy happens. And then Oregon moves up from the four to the three spot. Ohio State moves up from the five to the four spot. Okay, now here's five through ten. Listen very carefully. because I want you to tell me what's wrong with this. Number five, as I mentioned, Cincinnati. Michigan is number six. They're down... Uh, Is that correct? Anyway, Michigan's number six. Michigan State's seven. Oklahoma. Yeah, Michigan State's down three spots. Uh, Michigan six. Michigan State seven. Oklahoma eight. Notre Dame nine. Oklahoma State is ten. Did you hear it? Michigan is sixth. Michigan State is seventh. What? Can, Can someone please explain how Michigan State, now we know they lost, they dropped from, uh, they dropped from four to three. Or three to I'm sorry, three to seven. They are three to seven. How is it they drop so far down that Michigan is higher ranked than them? I'm you can't see me shaking my head, but I really need some explanation. And Gary Barta tried to go, you know, he well, you know, we this was a big point of conversation in, in the committee. Well, it clearly wasn't that big of a point of conversation because how do you rank Michigan ahead of a team that they lost to? That makes no sense. Come on. I mean, you got the, okay, the top four makes sense. 
can you get the rest of this right? <laughs> I mean, it should be Cincinnati, Michigan State, Michigan, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. I mean, we're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna, we're not gonna try to rectify this because this is. I mean, I, I, I'm being facetious, but come on, are you serious right now? We talk so much about kind of how these rankings can have such absurdities. Um, Cincinnati's still sitting outside this thing. And Michael Resco, the uh, the American Athletic Conference uh, commissioner, you know, he, he's basically still saying, look, you know, we did everything that was asked of us and we're still not getting rewarded. Like, what are y'all doing? And, and he's totally right. He's absolutely right. Cincinnati did what they're supposed to do and they're not getting rewarded and it doesn't make sense. It's crazy. So let's look at the top four here. Okay. So let's listen carefully. Georgia goes to Tennessee. Again, I expect Georgia to win, but keep your eye on this one. Alabama's home versus New Mexico State. Okay. Sorry, New Mexico State. I don't think this is going to happen. So Alabama should be safe. Oregon goes to Washington State. Um, Oregon's at home at Austin versus Washington State. Okay, you know, again, watch the game. Should be interesting. That might be another one you might want to put on your radar. Ohio State, wait for it, is home versus Purdue, who's 6-3. and three. So we just talked about Purdue and how they get, get themselves riled up and worked up to play a top-10 team. Keep your eye on that game. Just saying. So those, so th- of those four top ten, top four teams, Georgia, Tennessee, Oregon, Washington State, and Ohio State, Purdue. Watch those three games. Now, I, probably one of them will probably be a blowout. The other two probably be close. You might get one that might go the wrong way. And then what are we doing? The third week of the CFP rankings is going to go through another shift because at this point. Oregon, if Oregon loses, they're done. That's two. They're done because it was surprising to me how Oregon was in this thing from the beginning, considering they lost that one game and everyone wrote off the Pac-12. If Oregon loses again, which against Washington State, mm, there's a decent chance, but I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to put any money on it because we know Washington State's kind of been up and down and they're a team that they've they've played a fuck they've played a few games where they've shocked some teams fine um the ohio state purdue game again if the right purdue squad and i'm going and yeah we're going to columbus again not many teams will march into columbus and leave with a win but if the same mojo is being used by purdue and they're getting riled up for these top 10 teams this could this could get weird really quick, and we're talking about another seismic shift in this thing this coming Tuesday night. But again, I'm just throwing it out there. Keep your eye on these games, okay? All right. Um, and then the Michigan-Michigan State game. I mean, there's not much you can say to that. I mean, how about this? If Paul Feinbaum, who I think is a horrible human being, if he agree, if he thinks Michigan should not be ranked uh, over Michigan State number one, if I agree with Paul Feinbaum clearly the world is going to hell but he's right and most people would agree with that and i didn't watch the announcement you know the show didn't watch the show i was i was doing something anyway i was probably coming home from work anyway um now i was home anyway but here's the thing um i'm willing to bet you 
that most of the folks on the Talking Heads panel at during the ESPN broadcast were probably livid, like, are you crazy? So this committee's got some work to do. They've got to rectify this. So if we see any changes in the top four, and of course, five through 10 all, I think they all play this week. I know Notre Dame's going to Virginia. I know that much. Cincy, I think, is playing. They're going to South Florida. Um, don't know who Michigan has. I didn't write it down, but I know those two games off the top of my head. So whatever happens to Michigan, Michigan State this week should have some sort of impact on the rankings, especially if something happens in the top four. Okay. All right. Last thing, college football tonight. So we're going to start the week off tonight. First pick of the week. We got UNC going to Heinz Field in Pittsburgh to take on the number 21 Pitt Panthers, who are six-and-a-half-point favorites. That game's uh, 7.30 on ESPN. Oh, boy. Um, I think I'm going to go with the obvious. I'm going with Pitt. There's something in my gut that tells me after that win against Wake Forest and they played a shootout, something in my gut is kind of telling me UNC could pull this off. Now, if they do... I will be very happy. I'll talk about that tomorrow if it happens. But there's something about Pitt. Can he pick it? The way this offense is running, the way this offense is set up, just the rapport he has with his offensive coordinator. I mean, he's really slinging the ball around in such a way, and he's finding receivers, but they're really doing it in such a creative way that those guys are just getting into space that, you know, you really got to scheme against them in such a way that you kind of try to limit the big plays and try to keep everything in front of you. But I'm going with Pitt in this one. Secretly, I'm going to be rooting for UNC, but I'm going to pick take Pitt. Um, uh, maybe probably about seven points. I think this will prob- probably be close. Um, UNC up and down all season. Um, I think they will probably come in trying to do enough against this offense to try to slow them down. Maybe, like I said, try to not give up too many big plays because, um, you know, Pickett can get you short. And then if you get, you know, like a a nice short pass in the right spot on the field in that zone, you can break it for, you know, yak yards out the catch. And then they do break open some big explosive plays. So I'm going to take Pitt to beat UNC tonight, but let us let us pray <laughs> that UNC finds enough, uh, shall we say, uh, intestinal fortitude to take down the Panthers, because then that will make me a little happier, make my life a little easier, and it'll make my football fortunes feel that much better. My basketball fortunes right now are a little meh, but, you know, again, after one game, can't be too upset. You know, Virginia lost to a very... Uh, a, a Navy team that shot the three-point shot probably about, what, 60-some percent. Um, so if you come out hot, it's hard to be the team that shoots 60-some percent. But nevertheless, on the flip side of that, Navy turned the ball over about 20 times. Um, and they out-rebounded Virginia and got a second-chance point. So of those things, three of those things you can correct. You can't uh, – two of those things, rather. Two of those things you can correct – um, but second chance points and getting beat on the on the defensive boards or giving your opponent a lot of offensive rebounds, no bueno. You cannot win that way. And so 
I need my football fortunes to go in a different way to kind of, you know, help that along. And then, of course, let us pray because Notre Dame's coming to Charlottesville and we'll talk about that tomorrow. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm getting out of here. That is episode 105 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> When's the last time you heard me say that? <laughs> Take care. Uh, you know what to do. Uh, I got my flu shot today, so I encourage you to do the same. But again, you know, like I said, do what's best for you. But I always encourage, you know, good health, um, you know, social dis- social distancing, masking. Of course, drink your water. Mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.